For today's 100th episode, I've put together a cybersecurity masterclass for you with 15 expert tips to defend your business. So welcome to this episode, which is the 100th episode of the show, which is actually pretty crazy. It doesn't feel like nearly two years since we launched the podcast. And in that time, we've covered so many topics focused around helping businesses to ensure they have the right technology in place to help their business to be more successful. And a fair share of the episodes have been around cybersecurity and for a good reason, as we continue to see record numbers of businesses being compromised and feeling the impacts of cybercrime. So we're going to talk about so much stuff that I think you're probably going to have to listen to this three, four, or maybe even five times to take it all in. But trust me, it's going to be worth it. You know how you see those maps in theme parks or shopping centers? You know those ones where it says you are here with the big pointer at them, right? They're really handy for letting you know exactly where you are, which is exactly what a security assessment does for your cyber posture. It helps you to establish a baseline so you can create a plan to close any existing vulnerabilities. It lets you know where you are with your cybersecurity. So the question is, when was your last security assessment? If you've not had one, it's time to think about that. If you have had one, but it was more than 12 months ago, you really need to revisit that. And like I said, if you've never had one and your IT provider hasn't come and spoken to you about this, then it's time to maybe start the ball rolling on finding a new IT provider. Just being honest. So security assessment, that's the first thing we want to talk about. Have a security assessment done and understand where you are, what your cybersecurity looks like. Okay, I'm a very visual person. I'm sure a lot of people are as well. So what does my cybersecurity look like? And we've got some tools and things and methods that we can help with that. So if it's something you're concerned about and you don't know how good your cybersecurity is, then yes, you can please reach out and get in touch with me. And that's something that I can help you with. Number two on the list of 15 is email phishing. 90% of breaches and compromises start with phishing attacks. Now, phishing emails are harder to spot, especially now with AI involved in writing phishing attacks. Training your staff is critical, along with having the right technology in place to reduce your exposure to phishing attempts. Now, I'm not going to dwell on this too much here because just two episodes ago, we had an episode dedicated to phishing where I go much more in depth into phishing and how to stop it. So I highly recommend you go and listen to that immediately after this episode. And you can find that episode on texaspodcast.com. Next up, we need to talk about passwords, but still need to keep talking about passwords, even though we're halfway through 2023, because us human beings still suck at creating passwords. You can have all the password policies you want, but it won't help. Trust me, Janet in accounts will still use her Facebook password as the password for her company email account. And it's probably got her cat's name in it, but it's not her fault because users will do what's easy for them. So you need to make it easy for Janet and all the other users in your business to create strong, unique passwords and also make it easy for them to store those passwords. And the way you do that is by implementing a business class password manager. Talk to your IT company about this and see what they can offer you. But just be aware that allowing users to have 
passwords created and stored in their own Google Chrome password manager isn't the best idea for your business as you have no control over it. And if and when they leave the business, all their passwords will leave with them. Security awareness. You have to train your users. It's not the sole responsibility of your IT provider to protect your business from a cyber attack because ultimately stuff's going to get through to your users. Those phishing emails are going to get through to your users, those scams, right? Your users need to be taught about data security, email attacks, educated on your policies and procedures and why you have them. Because in my opinion, that once people understand how they can be compromised and the impact that cyber attacks can have in the business, the reasons for all your policies and procedures, then they are much more likely to follow them and make sure they aren't doing things that puts the business at risk. And of course, you have to have an advanced endpoint detection and response. Now, in short, this is antivirus software. We don't tend to call it antivirus anymore because it does much more than that. Because most IT companies and MSPs like us are providing their customers with much more advanced products these days. Protection against malware, viruses, and other types of cyber attacks. It's worth checking what you are being provided from your IT company. The latest type of software protects against fileless and script-based threats, and some can even roll back a ransomware attack. So no longer do we have just a basic antivirus in place, but still quite often I see businesses that are using free antivirus programs they've downloaded off of Google. They don't know really what it does. They know we've got an antivirus program, but no one's kind of really managing it. So speak to your IT company and ask them the questions to find out exactly what it is you have in place. Multi-factor authentication or MFA. A simple advice is to use MFA everywhere it is available. Now, it's likely that MFA is available on all your online accounts and you aren't even aware of it because it's typically not enabled by default or it's not enforced by the cloud provider. Your email account is especially critical as this is where any password reset emails are sent for your other online accounts. So if an attacker manages to gain access to one of your team's Microsoft 365 account, they'll then be able to trigger password resets for other accounts and you can find yourself locked out of everything. MFA is a viable extra layer of protection, but it's not a silver bullet. And I have a recent episode of TechSess where I talk about the dangers of relying on MFA. So go and check that out at texaspodcast.com. Updates. You need to keep all your operating systems up to date. So Microsoft Windows, Apple's OS, and this also includes your tablets and smartphones. Now, hopefully your IT provider or MSP is providing patch management as part of their service. If they are, they should be able to send you a patch report that shows the overall patch health for your business and also the individual health of each computer that they are supporting. Now, you should also enable automatic updates for all other software that you have, but the chances of a software vulnerability affecting you in an attack is much less than something that's designed to attack the operating system, right? Because there's way more machines using Windows than there is using a particular piece of software in the world. So attackers are not going to spend their time trying to exploit individual pieces of software that might only be used by a specific industry in the UK, for example. The dark web monitoring. So whenever I do any of our cyber lunch and learn events and start talking about the dark web, people suddenly get really interested because it sounds all like cool and mysterious and stuff. It's basically just websites, right? 
knowing what passwords and accounts have been compromised and posted on the dark web allows you to be proactive in preventing a data breach and attack. And a dark web monitoring service allows you to be notified as soon as a breach password is detected. Now, it doesn't stop a breach from happening in the first place, but it does alert you so that you can ensure that any of the users involved in the breach can go and change that password wherever they are using it. It's important to point out that these kind of monitoring services do more than just keep an eye out for breach passwords. They will also alert for any breaches of PII, personally identifiable information, which can include things like names, addresses, and even credit card information. When we do our Cyber Lunch and Learn events, we actually carry out a dark web search for all the attendees of the events. And people are usually quite shocked. I sometimes find it funny when they see breach passwords, which is an interesting one. Usually they find it funny because it's maybe been an old password that either they or someone has used and it's been detected years ago and they laugh because they're like, yeah, that's, yeah, I can see that it was breached, but it was a long time ago. But uh, usually I try and highlight a shame in the room. So I usually pick out not people or businesses in particular, but I usually try and summarize the kind of things that you see. And some of the things that you see regularly are the fact that there was someone had a password breached in say 2015 and the same password for the same user was then breached in 2020. Now, what that tells you is that the user is continuing to use a password that was breached five years before and it's been breached again, which means they don't know. They just don't know. Like I always say, people don't know what they don't know. They don't know that the password has been breached. So they carry on unknowingly using the password that is breached and that is publicly available on the dark web. Other things you see are users that have had multiple breaches of the same password for different accounts, which means they're using the same password to log into everything. You also see businesses where they've got the same password across different accounts. So they may have, like in your business, you might have an info account, a support account, sales accounts, you know, you have generic email accounts that all businesses have, right? But the same password has been used for all of those accounts. So you've got shared passwords across one. So one's breached, the rest are all breached, right? And then you see the other common things like people using password 1234 as their password or the start of their password is also happens to be the start of the name. So you've got Chris and we normally only reveal the first four characters of a breach password, right? So that we don't then further breach the password. But it's enough for people to realize what the password is. So you've got a user called Chris and the first four characters of his breach password is C-H-R-I. It's like, hmm, wonder what his password is. Is it Chris 1978 and that's the year that he was born? We could take a guess, right? But the point is, is that people using personally identifiable information in their passwords, quite often people will look at it and go, oh yeah, I can see the start of that user's password. Oh, that's his wife's name that he's got at the start of his password. And it's just like, when are people going to learn not to use personally identifiable information in passwords? Dark web monitoring doesn't stop bad stuff from happening, but it alerts you when it has, and it allows you to take, it's that actionable intelligence, right? It allows you to then take steps to make sure that those breach passwords don't come back to bite you in the ass. So the next one is a little bit slightly more technical. And I apologize for that because I deliberately try not to talk about technical things on the show. But first up, 
I just want to tell you a little bit about the IT services buyer's guide that we have. This is a free document on our website. You don't have to enter any information to get access to it. You just need to head over to www.m3networks.co.uk forward slash buyer's guide and you'll be able to click the link and get the download. And this is going to give you loads of information to help you understand the questions that you need to ask any potential IT partner in your business or indeed just go back and ask these questions to your existing IT company and then you can help find out whether you're being served correctly and whether there's any gaps in the IT support services that you are being offered. Now, let's get back to the episode. So the next one is a little bit slightly more technical and I apologise for that because I deliberately try not to talk about technical things on the show. But this is SIM, SIM, however you want to pronounce it, or log management. SIM is S-I-E-M and it stands for Security Incident and Event Management. So this is a technology that supports threat detection, compliance and security incident management through the collection and analysis, which is both historical and near real time of security events that are generated by applications and network hardware. So essentially, this is where log files are ingested from all of your devices, such as routers, Wi-Fi access points and computers, and are analyzed by the SIEM tool. It helps to recognize potential threats and vulnerabilities before they have a chance to cause harm on your network and to your business. Next up is physical security, because let's be honest, physical security is usually and often overlooked. And too often when I go out to see potential new customers and we're evaluating their network, I see servers, network attached storage devices, either sitting out in the open in the office, in the company kitchen, or potentially in a dedicated server room, but the door's left wide open because it gets too hot in there. So they leave the door open to let it cool down. And I just find it crazy that businesses that have on-premise infrastructure can have literally all of their company data just sitting there freely available, just blindly trust everybody that's coming in and out of their office. So obviously keeping uninvited guests out of your office and securing the areas where key IT equipment is located to protect sensitive data. So any device that is storing company data should ideally be kept either in a locked cabinet or a locked room and only access given to authorised members of staff. Now, we're going to talk about mobile device security or MDM, which stands for mobile device management. You can use either of these terms. But today, cyber criminals can attempt to steal your data or access your network by way of employees' mobile phones and tablets. They're counting on you to neglect this piece of the puzzle, but mobile device security closes the gap. If you're in the Microsoft 365 kind of infrastructure world, then Microsoft Intune is what we'd recommend that you use. If you're an Apple-based company, there's other products out there. Things like Jump Cloud, Adigy, some of these tools you see more and more because it's seen a lot more businesses where more Mac devices are becoming common. Firewalls. So we're not going to get too much into firewalls other than you need to turn on intrusion detection and intrusion prevention features send your log files to that managed SIEM solution that we talked about earlier. And if your current IT team or IT provider doesn't know what these things are, then I suggest you get in touch with our team here at M3 Networks, okay? That's all we're going to say about firewalls. Next up, number 13, unlucky for some, 
I'm not a bingo caller. Whenever possible, the goal is to encrypt files at rest in motion. So think about things like email where files and data is moving and especially on mobile devices. Say that again. And especially on mobile devices. Hard drives, especially on any company laptops, should be encrypted. In fact, let's say it must be encrypted because anything that's been picked up and travelled around with could be lost or stolen a lot easier than desktop computers that are just staying in the office all the time. Now, both Microsoft and Apple have built-in options for this, actually, with BitLocker and FileVault, respectively. Apple users might be familiar with the file vault because it is actually something that actually comes up and asks you to turn it on when you get a new Mac. BitLocker doesn't come and ask you to turn it on. It is there, but I suggest that you speak to your IT company about this. And this is assuming that you're using pro versions of Windows. If you're a business that has bought all their own computers or you've bought your computers out of, I'm not going to name any high street retailers here, I don't want to get sued, but if you bought your own computers off the internet or something, you might find you've bought Windows Home versions. You've not realised that there's a difference and what the difference is between Home and Pro. But you need Windows Pro to be able to have the encryption. It's not a feature in Home. So if your business sends highly sensitive or any personal data by email, then you should also really consider email encryption. And again, hopefully your IT company is able to offer a solution for this. So go and have that chat with them about what you can get from them. The next one is backup. So backup is a bit of a great area when it comes to cybersecurity. It's often not talked about in cybersecurity worlds because one, it's quite boring. And I don't think cybersecurity people like to talk about things like backup because it's boring and uninteresting for them. It's not as cool as talking about SIM and intrusion detection and encryption and all these other things. Because a lot of people really see backup as an IT support task because a backup has been around way longer than we all started talking about this cybersecurity buzzword, right? Any of you out there that have cyber essential certification might know or might remember that there is no section or any questions about backup for cyber essentials. And like I said, Businesses have had data backup way longer than we've been having these conversations about cybersecurity. But because it's an essential part of your cybersecurity strategy, I am going to include it and I'm going to talk about it here. If you store any data locally, then you need to back up both locally and to the cloud. Okay. I'm going to give you some really specific advice here. And the reason for this is because I still see this quite a lot when I go out to see businesses. And that's businesses that are using USB drives to back up their server, right? So I'm going to ask a question is that if you are using USB drives to back up your server in your office, how many drives do you have? If it's only two drives, which is probably the most common thing that you see, then you're at massive risk. I'm going to explain why you need to have a third drive. With just two drives, there's always one that's connected to the server, right? One plugged in, one sitting there, and they get rotated round, usually daily. So what happens if an unsuspecting employee comes in on a Monday morning and doesn't know that the data on the server and the drive that's plugged in has been hit by a ransomware attack on Friday night, and Monday morning, they don't know this. They're not aware of this. First person in, go, right, my job is go and swap the backup drives over, right? 
So what they do is they swap the drives like they're supposed to. And then the second drive that wasn't connected now also gets encrypted by the ransomware infection. And now you are totally screwed as both your local backup disks are now encrypted. This is where the third drive comes into play. You see, with three drives, there's always one that is not connected to the server. So you've got one that's plugged in, the one that you swap, and then the third one, which would be the following day's one. Okay, so this gives you time to realize that there's been an attack and enables your IT company to then recover from that drive that hasn't been affected. Now, it might be that that drive, the date on that drive is a couple of more days out of date than the one that was connected, but that's fine because it's way better to lose a day or two than to have lost everything, right? So quite often when you see a cyber attack or you see a ransomware attack in the news and you find out that they've not been able to recover, this maybe gives you a slight insight into some of the reasons why businesses aren't able to recover. People quite often think, surely they had a backup. It's like, well, yeah, they did. But until they needed it, they didn't realize that it wasn't suitable for purpose and it's now been compromised and they had a backup on Friday, come Monday morning, there's no backup now. It's worthwhile checking what you have in place. So you want to always be able to recover your data locally because it's the fastest way to get your systems back up and running, right? Let's be honest. If you've got a drive locally, USB drive locally, your IT company can recover way quicker. Your cloud backup is ultimately what will save your ass because the cloud backup is what we call air-gapped, meaning that a ransomware or other malware infection won't be able to affect that data backup to it. It can't jump the gap. So that's where the term air-gap comes in. And the cloud is great. You always ensure you're back up to the cloud too. But ideally, in the quickest recovery situation possible, the local backup is what you want to rely on. Okay, You should also test your backups often and if you're not convinced that your backups are working properly, then get in touch with us and we can have a chat about what we can do to help you with that. And if you're really interested in data backup and you want to learn a cool story, and maybe one day I'll try and talk about it on the show, actually, and maybe see if I can get the guy who I heard this from, is the story about how Toy Story 2 was lost, which is a really interesting story. Even if you're not really geeky and into the technology, you might be interested to learn why, because you're probably thinking, I've watched Toy Story 2. So how how was Toy Story 2 lost, right? I was in a webinar a few years back with the IT manager of Pixar at the time that Toy Story 2 was being produced and how they actually lost all the data for Toy Story 2. Obviously, they managed to get it back, but not in the way that you might think. And I'm not going to spoil it here. The amazing part is, that I will tell you, is that when he has the debrief of Steve Jobs after all this kind of calmed down and he sorted it, he says, the amazing part of the entire story, he says, is I didn't get fired over it. And the last thing, number 15, that I want to tell you about in the Cyber Masterclass is cyber insurance. Now, I'm not an insurance expert, so I can't give you any advice on insurance, obviously. But if all else fails, you need to protect your income and your business with cyber insurance. So speak to your favorite, preferred insurance provider about that. But just remember that insurance doesn't fix your IT. 
And it's always better to prevent cyber attacks from happening in the first place. We've all heard the term that prevention is better than the cure. It's definitely usually cheaper than the cure as well. And you can often find out on cyber insurance, which is something I quite often point out to people, and you need to check your insurance policy if you already have one for this, is that if you have a cyber incident, you must raise it with your insurance company. You can't allow anyone else, you can't allow your IT provider to start dealing with the cyber incident because if you do, it can make your insurance policy void because the agreement is that your insurance company have incident response handlers and they want to manage the cyber incident themselves. So if you go to your IT company and they start getting involved, you might find out your insurance company won't pay out and some people have a view on insurance companies that you know do everything that they can to not pay out. Obviously, claims is what insurance companies don't want. So anyway, it's just worthwhile checking. You don't end up causing yourself a potential problem by getting your IT or your cyber security company involved and then finding out that you can't actually make a claim against your cyber insurance because someone else started dealing with the problem, not your insurance company. If you'd like a quick chat with me, about anything I've discussed in this episode, or you have a specific question about any aspect of your IT or cybersecurity, you can book a call in my diary. Just head over to www.m3networks.co.uk forward slash meetmark. And finally, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to follow or subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app for future episodes, where I'll dive deeper into other IT and cyber related topics. Texas is an M3 Networks podcast. Find out more at m3networks.co.uk.